So I got I got one one joke for you guys. So how many how many uh, logistics supplier planners does it take to change a light bulb? Oh man, uh, it takes a team. It's none. The light bulbs are light. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's good. When things are running smoothly, you don't need people. People don't need to be involved. The supply chain. It's been obstructed, disrupted, interrupted, shut down, backed up, and bottlenecked. Will it ever be fixed, or are we looking at it all wrong? Problem is, nothing runs smoothly in, in our industry, and you've got to have someone there to solve the problem. I'm Patrick Pacheco, and you're listening to Season 2 of In Good Companies from Cadence Bank, the podcast where we guide you through the forces shaping your business inside and out. You can't open a newspaper or turn on your TV these days without hearing about the supply chain. Manufacturers aren't able to secure materials they need, causing huge delays in product availability. We've seen shortages of toilet paper, lumber, baby formula, semiconductors, and if you're trying to get a new car, good luck. There's always next year. The drivers of supply chain pain are well documented. COVID lockdowns, increased demand, and geopolitical conflict have all caused problems. In today's global interdependent economy, a single obstacle can slow everything down. And these past few years have seen a perfect storm of problems. But that's not the whole story. So today, we're exploring the supply chain from the inside with the people who know it best. We'll discuss why the supply chain is more complex than people understand and the biggest challenges facing the industry. It's not what you think it is, plus strategies to help you solve your business's supply chain issues. To get us from point A to point Z, we've called in two experts in logistics. Sure, you bet. This is John uh, Brooks. Thanks for having us on today. So I am the CEO of U.S. Multimodal Group. Good afternoon. I'm Matthew Decker. I'm the president of U.S. Multimodal Group, responsible for the, uh, the day-to-day operations. So I've spent the majority of my career on the third-party logistics side involved in, in truckload and intermodal services. Look, you guys can tell Matthew on the nuts and bolts clearly is going to be a better person here on answering these questions. Maybe not as exciting as me. I'm just kidding, Matthew. John and Matthew started working together in 2021. But as you can probably tell, their relationship goes back much farther than that. Matthew and I are both originally from Tennessee, actually have known each other for, for 30 years, went to middle school together. And does John still throw stuff at you in the office like he did in third grade? Or? Uh, <laughs> no, he didn't throw anything at me. I do not throw things at Matthew. Uh, this is an audio <laughs> podcast, so listeners cannot see, but he's got some size on me. I do have speed. <laughs> You can't go anywhere now without hearing supply chain. If you listen to anything, MSNBC, you hear supply chain all the time. And you guys are involved in supply chain. So what is the supply chain, a supply chain? What does supply chain mean? Look, the supply chain is effectively getting product from point A to point Z. It's a buzzword. Nobody knew about it kind of pre-pandemic unless you were in the uh, industry. And all of a sudden, everybody in the world kind of hears about supply chain. It's raw materials, it's packaging, it's transportation services, your manufacturing. I mean, you could even consider it. I mean, I think more importantly in the kind of the recent time, you know, all the way to staffing. I mean, you can consider it part of the supply chain as well, depending on, you know, where the bodies are going to come from to, to do the work you need to do. A common misconception about the supply chain is that it's all one singular entity. Every industry, every company has a different supply chain. 
Yeah, there's not one supply chain we can go out there and fix. You know, even if you're a raw material supplier for a manufacturer, you've got your own supply chain. I mean, it's it's millions of supply chains out there making up the overall supply chain. And like you said, there's not a single chain uh, anywhere you can go out and fix. Very complex, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of different players. And when John says a lot, he means a lot. In general, I would say transportation is a pretty fragmented market. And kind of to Matthew's point earlier, just a lot of the activity kind of inside of our market can be sort of more regional or more local in nature. And so, you know, by virtue of that, you can have sort of local operations. There are some large players within the industry, absolutely. But, you know, when you talk about trucking, for instance, I don't know what the number is, but there's, I believe it's hundreds of thousands of trucking companies in the U.S., if not hundreds, at least tens of thousands. And so, you know, it's a highly fragmented industry with uh, a lot of players kind of operating inside of it. When it's working, the benefits of a global supply chain can be enormous for consumers and business. Well, look, I mean, if, it, if the supply chain is functioning properly, I think the benefit is that you can tap on your phone and, you know, within a day or two days, you can kind of have whatever you want. In today's kind of world and economy and society, we're so used to convenience. Um, I don't think anybody really appreciates all the complexities of what is required to kind of accomplish that. And so when it's functioning properly, you can go show up at your local car dealership, get your car on order. You know, you can walk into your department store, pick up whatever shirt you need, whatever pants you need. And at the same time, the companies that are kind of managing that inventory are not just having to carry gobs and gobs of it just to satisfy you. And so a properly functioning supply chain benefits kind of consumers as well as the companies that, you know, manage inventory and ultimately sell you product. You know, when the supply chain's, you know, running efficiently and smoothly, what do you get? You know, a big part of it is cost lower. I mean, costs go down if everything's functioning as it should be. Trucks are where they need to be. Everybody's networks are balanced. You know, loads are being received by warehouses in a timely manner, which gets them on the shelves faster, which allows those companies to realize sales. And we're not carrying the inventory costs that we were. I mean, it's just, you know, from overall, from timeliness of getting your products to keeping costs down for everybody, you know, when the supply chain runs smoothly. Of course, the supply chain isn't running smoothly and hasn't been for a while. Relative to kind of why it's uh, not functioning properly right now, you know, I think there's a number of moving items, any one of which kind of on its own would be very problematic for a properly functioning supply chain. When was the first hint you started seeing that something was not going right and that you they may be facing some some big problems down the road? I mean, the obvious part was shutdowns in, in Asia. But even really before you know, we started seeing stuff, even before COVID, you know, with some of the, the tariffs put in place, you know, during the Trump administration, we really saw freight fall off a cliff moving into COVID. You know, the fourth quarter leading into COVID, there wasn't a lot of, you know, international activity in terms of imports coming over into the United States and being delivered. Drivers were leaving the industry, going to find better work. Then you have the lockdowns of COVID. I mean, when they when they shut down, you know, you look at how much product we import, you know, over from Asia. When they shut down their manufacturing facilities, when they shut down their ports, when they went into lockdown, 
everything quit moving. Uh, and then when the lockdowns got lifted over in, in China, you know, we went into lockdown. So everything was moving over here, but there was no one working at first to receive the goods. So, you know, that kind of started that bullwhip effect of product moving. You know, then you have the start, you know, everything's starting back up and money being pumped into the economy, people spending, and all of a sudden we got to get all this freight delivered and, and everybody's buying like crazy. Everybody's working from home. Everybody's moving out of the cities, moving into mountain towns uh, because they can. And now you got a lot of goods that needed to be delivered in places they've never had to deliver them to. And so you think about that as everybody's networks got flipped upside down and everything was out of position. The volatility of COVID hit hard, but even as lockdowns eased, the supply chain issues remained. For John, the reason is clear. Frankly, the answer is really pretty simple when you boil it down, which is, it seems to me to be a labor issue. For instance, you, you know, everybody's heard about the truck driver shortage in our country. Obviously, not enough truck drivers to drive the trucks to deliver freight from point A to point Z can have a material impact. But what you don't hear about is the folks that uh, maybe work on trucks or work on the trailers to repair those assets to get them able to work and able to run. When COVID hit, obviously, a lot of folks ended up kind of having to head, head home for a bit for a number of reasons. And I think restarting that has been much more of a challenge than, you know, I think most folks really appreciate. Is that because people are getting alternative jobs or this because they're just not coming back to the job at all? What, what are you probably seeing the most? Uh, I think it's a mixture of both. I think people are upgrading the jobs they have. I think people are... And some people are staying at home and not having to go to work. Yes, there's a lot of empty seats out there, if you will, but it's also the turnover of people just trading up and, and moving over to something they think is better. Yeah, it's interesting. All of the stimulus they pumped in the economy fueled a, a big demand for products, and now you don't have anybody to move the products or pack the products or, or anything else. Yeah, and it's uh, everything costs 10% more than it did <laughs> kind of pre-pandemic too, right? And, I, and I'd also add to that comment, I mean, just the pieces aren't in the right place, you know, if you look at this as a puzzle. I mean, our business, kind of the more local, regional drayage, you know, to and from a port, to and from a rail ramp, a lot of our drivers, when the truckload rates, when the spot market, you know, skyrocketed, those guys that wanted to be at home because the trade-off between being on the road versus being at home didn't mean a lot to them financially, all of a sudden that financial benefit of being on the road two or three days and running long haul became much more lucrative for them they got out of the local haulage and they went more long haul over the road kind of, uh, you know, runs. And then when the spot market started falling, those guys kind of filtered back into our business and out of the truck. So it's just uh, a lot of pieces that just aren't in the right places. And I think that's true for the supply chain. Labor might be the primary issue facing logistics companies, but it's far from the only challenge. I mean, there, there's some larger issues, you know, when you look at our transportation network that, have to be addressed. But at the end of the day, you're still doing with the same port systems, the same capacity in the ports to bring imports and exports out. I mean, you know, the problem is the ships are coming in. They're bigger ships now. They're carrying almost twice as many containers. And we're trying to unload them in the same port structure that we had before. I mean, it takes it's longer time. It takes more chassis to be available at one ship where they used to be. You're unloading eight or 10,000 containers from a ship. You know, you need all those chassis, but now all of a sudden you're unloading twice that many. You got to put them on the ground. And then the next ship comes in and you still don't have the chassis. So you put more containers on top of those containers and you just start 
piling on top of each other. And the chassis, is that, is that the piece that's on the back of the truck that they just bolt the container down? Yeah, there's the wheels. I mean, that's the, the trailer. You know, the, the chassis is what goes underneath the container that we come in and pull out under. And it's just, they don't turn fast enough to be able to unload those largest ships. The logistics industry is desperately trying to get more chassis, but supply chain operators aren't immune to supply chain shortages. You know, something as simple as a, what we call a top lift or a load lift, which is basically a massive forklift that can lift a, you know, you know loaded container off of a chassis to, to generate a chassis, you can't get those. If you want one, you know, you're waiting a year. Uh, you want a new truck, you know, to add capacity. Our, Dealers aren't accepting orders for 2020. There's nothing available for 2023, and they're not accepting orders for 2024 yet because they don't know what their allocations are going to be. And in a system as tightly wound as the supply chain, labor and material shortages compound each other. You know, those chassis are, are repaired by folks working inside of the, the port facilities in some of these places. And, you know, with COVID restrictions and the like and, and not having folks working right next to one another, et cetera, et cetera, not having folks in the office, delays in repairing those chassis, even what we have, delays in repairing those chassis to be able to kind of get back into the market impacted as well. So not only is it a, a lack of a number of chassis sort of available, it's all, it also has to do with you know, kind of that labor piece we talked about earlier. To really have some substantial improvement, what area probably needs the biggest fix? Is it what's coming out of China? Is it the ports? Where's probably the biggest bottleneck right now? This is probably not the answer you want to hear, but, you know, I'd probably just say all of the above. And there is no snap your fingers fix, in my opinion. The supply chains of the world are too big and interconnected for any one company to fix. So the system stuck in limbo, what can you do? John and Matthew suggest narrowing the focus. Concentrate on making life easy for your partners within the supply chain. Kind of going back to earlier uh, in our conversation, there are so many different elements involved here that trying to implement a strategy that's sort of a cure-all is probably not a fruitful endeavor, is what I would say. That said, I think folks are very much focusing on their niche within a supply chain and, and doing all they can to make things as efficient as possible. How would a business work best with you guys? What can a business do to, to maximize their efficiency with, with their supply chain providers? For us, what would be best case scenario would be that, you know, when our trucks show up with their goods, they unload them. And when our trucks show up with the equipment to load their goods on, they load us and we get in and out. You know, if you've got a, a retailer that has two or 300 containers loaded sitting in their yard right now that they're using basically for warehouse on wheels, if we could take that container off of the chassis and then go utilize that chassis, we could move more, we could move more freight. But, you know, Keeping our drivers moving and not sitting around waiting helps us recruit drivers, hire drivers, retain drivers. It keeps our costs down or, you know, fuel consumption down. It allows us to, you know, to get more turns out of our trucks every day to get a higher utilization. So what's ideal for us is, hey, when we show up, you take the product that we're bringing to you and, and we move on. I mean, that's that's the ideal state. The other piece I would point to is we can adjust to anything. I think it's a matter of trying to have a partner in the way you approach things. And so, you know, I think a lot of times folks are not looking at their vendors as partners and it's sometimes just a cost center. And so to the extent that we can be a partner and that we can have open dialogue and be, you know, planning these things out ahead of time as much as possible, that to me is really what I want out of a 
client more than anything else. Because you can plan and execute on pretty much anything as long as you've got coordinated effort. I use that saying with vendors all the time. I say, so do you want to be a vendor and be treated like a vendor or do you want to be a partner? If you want to be a partner, it makes for a much better relationship than you just being a vendor. Because you're a vendor, I'm just looking for low cost and I'm, I'm moving on. And uh, So that, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I can tell that John's more like me because I run the asset management and trust group. When somebody says, can you get that done? My answer is, sure, we can get it done. And then the people behind me are going, ah. <laughs> okay, there's a lot more into this, John, than just saying we can get it done. Right, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Given the complexity of the supply chain, having a consistent partner can make all the difference. For both parties, reliability opens up capacity for logistics operators, which can ease some of the pressures and get you products faster. But that only happens through trust. I think when you look at what we call logistics or supply chain, you know, you start going back to the early 2000s, it became a huge area for companies to save a lot of money. And people really started focusing, we're going to ratchet down on our costs, our delivered costs, and we're going to spend a lot of time, we're going to get a lot of value out of reducing our supply chain costs, if you will. And that's, that, at that time, that was value, right? And I think that's one of the bigger areas where you got to look at in the, in the supply chain and the transportation side is, this bid every year and this disruption every year, everyone's networks from a, from a service provider's perspective is getting turned upside down because someone beat them out by five cents you know, a mile. It's one thing to check pricing every year, but it's one thing to continuously turn over your carrier networks and your supplier networks for the lowest price because then no one learns your business, no one learns your customers, no one's building a network around you anymore. They're taking the freight or offering the services when it's good for them. And it depends on the market conditions and everything else. You know, I think people are becoming educated on how important it really is to pick a good partner, not just a vendor, and someone that's going to grow their business around your needs and make sure your goods get delivered. I think if there's one thing COVID has taught us in, in the current marketplace, it's you know just how important the supply chain really is in terms of you know, we're an extension of our customers to their customers. We're important in providing and delivering goods on time, providing that capacity. And when you, you want us to invest in capacity, be able to pay the wages that we need to pay drivers, it's not just, you know, beating your vendors down on the lowest rate anymore. It's, it's really, you know, what, what makes you important to them? What makes, you know, them build a network around you, which over time, if everybody's building networks around their customers or making sure their assets are positioned where they're needed, based off demand, then this thing works itself out. Will it ever be back to normal? I don't even know what normal was. I think normal was where you didn't hear the word supply chain in every broadcast of any type of news, you know, every night. How far away are we from a normal? I mean, we could be close. I mean, it really just depends on what the economy does. And if demand stays up and these companies, you know, like the ports, like the railroads, like larger trucking companies, like larger warehousing companies, as they need to invest in their infrastructure to be able to handle more demand, you know, they're going to do it because they're going to see there's more money to be made. But if demand falls off, does that investment slow down? And does that put us right back? You know, it usually takes a couple quarters, you know, for the market to catch up on demand. What's happened with COVID is there were no trucks to go by to create additional capacity. There was no, there were no chassis to go by because you couldn't get them and they couldn't be manufactured. You couldn't get them over here in time to help offset, you know, the demand. And so, you know, things, things slowed down and came to a screeching halt. So I think if we can just get some steady quarters under our belt, not a lot falling off, not a lot growing, I think you'll see the market adjust and things will kind of normalize. 
you know, big swings just one way or the other just create the same problems we're already in, especially when it's as volatile as it is right now. John, any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. I don't know that any of them are <laughs> valuable. I just ask my wife. I think the same thing that ultimately corrects our challenges relative to inflation is probably the same thing that corrects a lot of our challenges relative to supply chain, which is at some point economic slowdown, recession, whatever that looks like, I think gives some of this you know excess bottleneck a chance to work through the system, so to speak. And it'll be probably pretty painful for a lot of folks, but ultimately it, it corrects. But even within that, again, I, I just, I go back to labor. And if labor doesn't sort of correct itself, then I have a hard time seeing a rosy sort of go forward environment, if you will. The labor piece is essential. John cited earlier as the main challenge facing the industry. And so the biggest solution available to business owners might not be technological or systematic or even logistical. It might be as simple as an attitude shift because what everyone forgets, consumers and economists, business owners, and even CNBC, is that the supply chain runs on people power. You know, we've had to give driver wage increases out to the market. You know, it, it, it was needed forever. You know, and if they can't, you know, earn the wage they need driving a truck, they'll go build a house. They'll go look other things to do. You know, things don't go right in our business a lot. You know, I like to tell the joke. It's you know, getting yelled at by the customer who's set in the same traffic jam as our as our driver did on the way to work today, but they're yelling at him why he was late to work. You know, could couldn't he have left earlier? It was no, it was he was doing another load. We can't service our customers without our drivers. You know, our business is all about the drivers as much as it is the customer. And that means people need to be thoughtful with how they treat these drivers, getting them in and out of their facilities. You know, we've got to give them a good experience from their, the dispatchers they work with, from a, a fair wage, a good wage, allows them to grow and support their families. The supply chain, of the people, by the people, for the people. And with that, I'd like to offer my endorsement for Matthew Decker for, uh president in 2024. That's uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and make a contribution there, John. You can be the campaign manager. <laughs> Sign me up. The supply chain is deceptive. At first glance, it seems simple, but the more you look, the more complicated it gets. Everything is connected. You pull a string here and something unravels over there. But while you may not be able to fix the supply chain yourself, Understanding your own supply chain is key to surviving disruptions. Value your logistics partners and give them consistency and respect. They're just as affected by slowdowns as you are, perhaps more so. Get your products loaded and unloaded. Don't be the bottleneck. That efficiency will have increasing benefits throughout the supply chain. Someday, the infrastructure might catch up. Until then, it's up to you and your partners to navigate the matrix of complex global systems that stands between point A and point Z. Thank you, John Brooks and Matthew Decker of U.S. Multimodal Group. May there be open roads and plenty of chassis in your future. It in Good Companies is a podcast from Cadence Bank, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. Sheena Cochran is our production coordinator. Our executive producer is Danielle Cornell, with writing and production from Andrew Ganim and sound design and mixing by Ben Cranell at Lower Street Media. I'm your host, Patrick Pacheco. If you made it this far, why don't you go rate and review us in your podcast app? It's the best way to grow the show so we can reach even more listeners. And while you're there, subscribe. We'd love to have you because when you're with us, we're in good companies.
This podcast is provided as a free service to you and is for general informational purposes only. Cadence Bank and its affiliates make no representation or warranties as to the accuracy, completeness, or timeliness of the content in the podcast. The podcast is not intended to provide legal, accounting, or tax advice and should not be relied upon for such purposes. To the extent that this podcast includes predictions about the economy, these predictions are subject to a number of variables and you should confer with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors for their input regarding the possible outcomes of any economic subject matter discussed herein. Predictions are forward-looking statements that reflect current views with respect to, among other things, future events. Forward-looking statements are not historical facts and are based on current expectations, estimates, and projections, many of which, by their nature, are inherently uncertain and beyond the control of any person or entity. Accordingly, please be aware that any such forward-looking statements are not guarantees and are subject to risks, assumptions, and uncertainties that are difficult to predict. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guests in this podcast are solely their own current opinions regarding the subject matter discussed in the podcast and are based on their own opinions. Such views, perspectives, and opinions do not reflect those of Cadence Bank or any of its affiliates or the companies with which any guest is or may be affiliated. The production and presentation of this podcast by Cadence Bank does not imply the expressions of any opinion on the part of Cadence Bank or any of its affiliates.